Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to the Everything is Black and White podcast. It's time for the match preview. Newcastle head down to Manchester City on Sunday for a 4.30 kickoff in front of the Sky Cameras and of course through our live blog on chroniclelive.co.uk. I'm Andrew Musgrove and as usual I'm joined by John Gibson to preview the match. We're going to start though with Man City's result against Real Madrid. They lost 3-1 after extra time in the Champions League semi-final. They were literally just minutes away Manchester City from the Champions League final and fell apart at the death the last couple of minutes of normal time. And John the fact, I, th- I think if Man City had lost this game, it would have hurt and it would have been a big blow and it would have taken all Pep Guardiola's management skills to get them up for Sunday. But the fact they lost it in just 180 seconds, you know, that's what was practically left for them to get mm. to the final, to achieve what Guardiola has always wanted and never managed to do at Manchester City. To be that close and to have it taken away from you, I think that's going to hurt an extra hell of a lot more and it plays into Newcastle's hands on Sunday. Oh, it's an absolute killer because they had the match won. They, they'd won 1-0 uh, over there. They were 5-3 up on aggregate going into added on time in in the normal match. To then be taken to extra time and lose it in extra time is the hardest and the most cruel way possible. The manner of defeat will absolutely have knocked their end in. It's how much they can recover from it and how quickly. Because, you know, at the end of the day, the comp- we have said all the way along that Man City and Liverpool, neck and neck in this country, by far the best two teams in this country, probably the best two teams in Europe, uh, we have said. And it's been like that all season. And here we are talking, Liverpool are still in it to win all all four trophies open to them, which has never, ever been done. And for me, if Manchester City don't beat Newcastle on Sunday, then the unthinkable will happen. Manchester City will end the season with no trophies. Now, that's unthinkable when you go back. At the start of the season, they would have as much hope as Liverpool of competing well in all four trophies. Absolutely no question about that. And they're down to this. Now, their lead at the moment is currently one point. City, um, Liverpool are as hot as it can get. They're red, red hot at the moment, winning everything. They got themselves into a bad position and spectacularly got out of it against Villarreal. They will sense blood now. Now, City, I think the first team that blinks between Liverpool and City lose the championship. And if Newcastle beat City, and it's a big if, but if they did, then City don't win the title. And if City don't win the title, they end up with nothing. That is unthinkable. 
um, from the way nine-tenths of the season's gone. But that's what we've come down to. City will be battered and bruised physically as well as mentally. They will be brittle. And if ever there's a need for a pep talk from Pep, this is it. Because he has got to get them up and running on Sunday. There's no time, there's nothing. It's got to be now or never. After the game, Pep said we now need to process the fact that we're so close to a Champions League final. Come back to Manchester with our people at home. And in the last four games, we have. And then Jonathan Woodgate, who was commentating for BBC Five Live, uh, said after the game as well, which I thought was quite interesting, basically just asking what we're asking. He says it, it's such a distressing loss. What ramifications does this have on the league? They could blow up after this. And I think that's the, the key point. You know, you've got Julian Lescott, who was on BT. He was saying there's still a lot to play for. The fans have to play a part on Sunday. They have to lift this team. And no disrespect to Manchester City fans, they're not really known for their atmosphere at the Etihad. had to get criticised quite a lot. You know, sometimes they can't sell out games and what have you. Chapman's League nights have been nearly, you know, only, well, probably only about three quarters full of some of them. And you think, God, Newcastle night, you just had one more Chapman's League night. You'd sell out the stadium five times over. So uh, it's interesting you mentioned the fans there because... I think Newcastle United fans have a big part of play on Sunday. They're going to really have to get their team up a level. And I think Newcastle fans, as well as Newcastle United players under Eddie Howe, they're going to smell blood and they'll be going for this even more, given Man City's uh, situation. Yes, I think that's absolutely true. But they were supposed to be smelling blood and doing all that against Liverpool yeah, last weekend. Yeah, but it was different but though because Liverpool. Well, no, 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 no. I no, said, no. I you said, said they would beat Liverpool. I did, and I was wrong. But I, I thought, I thought they would beat Liverpool. I thought, you know, and I still think they, they were lucky to get one nil. By the way, they did. But I still think they give a good account of themselves. But I think the situation's totally different. You know, Liverpool were coming in on the back of a yeah, you know, win over Villarreal, and Manchester City here have been put, punched in the gut. I mean, this is a, a really bad, uh, you know, this is a really it bad is, 40 it hours. It is, but City. let's not lose sight because we, we, when I say we, I don't mean you and I. I mean, all of us Geordies got totally carried away by the Liverpool match, what we were going to do in the Liverpool match. And that was based on, we've always got big hearts and very rarely think with we're head. And I believe that's what football's about. That's the love of football. It's wonderful about football. Football is about the heart. That's what makes it worth being a supporter your whole life of your hometown club. Because the heart will always rule the head. Um, and it's true. And we, we have... A unique chance on Sunday. There's absolutely no question about that. I wish it was at St James's Park that the Liverpool and City games have been flipped mm. rather than us away without a, without a shadow of doubt. Uh, but the chance is there. If I'm brutally truthful, if City had hung on for the last six minutes of injury time or whatever and won in normal time 1-0 and therefore 5-3 on aggregate, I would give us little or no chance on Sunday. And, and that's got on Sunday. And that's got nothing to do with the wonderful, wonderful, wonderful progress. We, I think what we've done this season is better than what Manchester City and Liverpool have done because they have been building for seasons. They, theirs has been a... Del you could see them climbing the mountain to the, to the top of Everest. We... In January, when we were losing to Cambridge and we were in the bottom three, we were no hopers. 
And then we go on this phenomenal run and we go to ninth before we play ninth top, for goodness sake, before we played Liverpool. Our miracle has been more startling than anything produced by Klopp or Pep this season because it has been over a shorter span. Having said that, realistically, and we must be realistic because otherwise... You know, a slight setback, you lose at City, say, would anybody could, and all of a sudden it's despair and despondency and we're not as good as we thought we were. No, that's untrue. City will still be enormous. They will either come out a wounded animal, really dangerous, and we're going to put this right, we are not as bad as that result made us appear, etc., etc., or they'll come out very brittle and very vulnerable and Newcastle can take advantage of them. But they've got a big... The fact that they played extra time, etc., they've got a big enough squad to do what Liverpool did at Newcastle. Liverpool rested almost half a team. Saha, uh, Alexander, etc., 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 and still comfortably won that match we'd give a good account of ourselves but it was comfortable and they could have scored a lot more than one I mean it was amazing some of the misses considering how how ruthless they've been um, so they could change their team and put out a team of fresh legs and still get a result knowing they've got to get a result and what we've got to be careful of and by the way I agree with you I'm excited I think this is the f- we have now got a real chance on Sunday and it is now a genuine match again to want to watch uh, rather than the possession towards the, the title for for City. But having said that, City are going for the fourth Premier League title in the last five seasons. And the one they didn't win, they finished second top. That's how consistently the best side they have been in the domestic leagues over here. Better than Liverpool. Four of the last five championships, if they win this one, and they're leading at the moment, will have been won by City. That's how powerful they are. So let's not make it look as if it's going to be a walk in the park because it won't be. And when it isn't, then we shouldn't get too disappointed if we don't get the result we hope for. But yes, it's opened the door and I'm delighted for that because there is a possibility and Newcastle defensively are very stubborn. They don't let Spurs apart. They don't let in a barrel load of goals and that means you're always in the game. We were always in the game against Liverpool because we'd only conceded one. Not because we're playing as well as them or had more of the ball in them etc etc had more shots on target than them it was because we'd only let in one goal and that means you're always in the game what do you think hurts more in terms of this defeat for for manager city because i feel like if if um it was a really bad performance and there was anger yes it would you know it would hurt but doesn't hurt as much as having it stolen away from you in the last few minutes of normal oh, time, does with, it? Without a shadow of doubt, in in regardless of what City have uh, always put forward, which is that the Premier League is the most important bauble available to them, they've always said that. And the reason they've said that is because they keep winning the Premier League and they keep losing the Champions League. That's why they're said. But the Holy Grail 
for Manchester City is without question the Champions League. Pep was brought to Manchester to win the Champions League for Manchester. They have, in six seasons has he been here now, they, they have failed to win the Champions League in all that time, despite all the money. And that's a killer for the players, for the owners, and for Pep. There's absolute, The fans, they've always been a bit iffy about Europe for some reason. Um, but uh, this is an absolute killer. But what will concentrate minds now, and either work for them by getting them up big time, or go against them, and making them as brittle as possible is that if they don't beat Newcastle, they don't because Liverpool aren't going to go around losing many more matches. If they don't beat Newcastle, they won't retain the title. That's how important this game on Sunday is to City. It's all or nothing now, and I'm certain that they come away winning last night, as they were, looked like they were going to do for nine tenths of the game. They would expect to win automatically on Sunday. Now they'll be looking over their shoulders. And of course, Liverpool play on Saturday night against Spurs. So yes. that also plays into the game quite a lot, doesn't it? Because Man City... If Liverpool beats Spurs, yeah. the pressure on City, they're not top of the league when they play us. I think we really are going to see Pep Guardiola earn his money. Look, he is arguably the second best manager in Europe. I think, I think some people would argue Klopp. Is, is probably yes, at the top end. Some people but, would, um, yes. yes. But, I mean, and at the moment, how do you not? Mm. He can win four trophies, this guy can win one. But there's no doubt in how good Guardiola is. You know, no. his CV says it all. And But I think we really are going to see just how good of a manager he is because I just think being that close to the final, then getting dragged into extra time and losing it, and then having to come back, potentially being second going into uh, Sunday... Against the Newcastle side, who are still confident, you know, yes, they lost against Liverpool, but there's still confidence running through the squad. They're going in to win every game. They haven't got their their feet up. They're not on the on the beach because, as we've mentioned in previous episodes, this Newcastle squad, a lot of them are playing for the futures. Mm. And you know, if you are, I don't know if if you know if you are Jamal Lasalle and you get the nod on on Sunday, or you are or John Joe Shelby, you are Joe Linton, you are Jacob Murphy, and you get a chance. I think, looking at what happened last night, I think that'll just boost you even more, you know, because you think, actually, you know, we don't fear anybody and we certainly now don't fear a wounded Manchester City. I know that the cliche is a wounded animal and they'll be ready to strike back, but I I think... They could City, by the way, you're absolutely right. And what we've done this season has been nothing short of phenomenal. But City on a bad side oh, no. because they had six minutes of absolute mayhem. You can say, have they got the bottle when they're put into bottle? Liverpool proved they had the bottle when they were two down to Villarreal at half time and they come out. Have City got the bottle? Um, that does, or is it just their skills normally tell and they win matches because they steam all the other sides? The door has opened, there's absolutely no question. I would be intrigued if City weren't playing Newcastle and were playing somebody else. When they're playing my side, I'm absolutely fascinated because there is a real opportunity there. And in a way, Newcastle, can, when I say play with a freedom, I don't mean a freedom like stupidity, like you know, trying to flip the ball about and be the entertainers and get done five. I mean, play with a freedom of no fear because... This isn't a relegation battle, which they've been in so many times this season, 
we are now safe and they can go out there and be organised, be disciplined and think, by Jove, this is different. The pressure's on the opposition for a change instead of being on us and try to take advantage of that. And it can happen. Um, it's going to be absolutely fascinating. Um, I'm not sort of dismissing City because how how and neither will Eddie Howe and neither will any of the and players. Neither, neither my, you, you know, oh, I didn't mean that. They but are you, a fantastic you, you side. Can't. They remain a fantastic side. If if they are on the cusp of winning their fourth league title in five, what's that tell you? Hmm. I just wonder if they've been in a position like this where they've been they're getting chased down in the Premier League. They were largely expected to get to the final. You know, at the start of the season they were they were tipped by many to, to win the Champions League. And then to be that close, I just wonder if they've been in this position where they have such a, a, a massive punch to the stomach, so to speak, and they've got all this pressure on them. Because I often wonder as well, what, what, do you, what do you think is the best way to be when it comes to the Premier League, John? Is it to be a top and being chased? Or is it to be the chaser? You know, I, I, I kind of flip from, from time I, to time. I can thoroughly understand In that. this instance, I would say I'd rather be in Liverpool's position going at the final few games, even though City... I mean, I would, uh, the only reason I would want to be in Liverpool's position, perhaps, is because of what's happened to City last night. Exactly, yeah. Normally not. Normally, uh, the two teams at the top, or the three teams at the top, are the best teams, and therefore, if you have any advantage, be it a point at the top, it is then in your hands. And it's still in Man City's hands, rather than Liverpool's. At this moment in time, it's whether they're going to crack or not. You would want to be at the top with the points, uh, you know, trying to chase somebody down. And I know famously we got well caught by Manchester United after having a 12-point lead. And the interesting thing, just talking about City as well, and it was a different City, I know, but uh, they were under the caution. Can you remember when they won the title? Was it the first one when Aguero yeah. scored in about uh, the 856th minute and wheeled round? You know, they weren't going to win the title there and they had the bottle to win it. That was a different city side in the main to the to who they've got now. Um, it is fascinating. And uh, right now, as we are talking, Klopp will be sitting rubbing his hands in Liverpool thinking, this this quadruple is on because until now the quadruple was unlikely to happen not because it's never happened but because the difficulty was overhauling Man City because Liverpool could win every one of their remaining matches and still finish runners-up in the Premier League because of that one-point advantage City have got. I mean, you would, they've already won the League Cup. You would expect them to win the FA Cup. You would think they've got an excellent opportunity to win the Champions League. Um, and so you would say the, 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 the one that could spoil it all would be the Premier League title. But now they'll think, as we think the door's opening for us on Sunday, Liverpool will be thinking the door's open for them. And you know what? They all them to a man will be Newcastle United supporters, including Jordan Henderson, uh, who is a Mackham, of course. He will never have supported Newcastle as much as in his life as he will on Sunday when we're playing City. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, you'll definitely be having a close interest in what happens. I just want to talk about 
City because they don't really play with a recognised centre forward. No, they don't. You look at Liverpool and and you know you I mean you wouldn't really call the likes of, of Salah centre forward in the, in in the old fashioned sense, but they have more. Um, Salah plays wide. Yeah, he's 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 more uh, a Rolls Royce uh, some maximum than a, uh, than a centre forward. But it's just interesting the way City set up and they don't have uh, you know a, a, a real forward and so to speak even someone on the on the wide I know they've got Maras and they've got De Bruyne scoring from from midfield and still well, as well the only one that's done it recently is Jesus yeah who who is really a centre forward and has played there and scored he often plays he often plays kind of well they do but the great players uh, do that I mean when Newcastle won the uh, promotion under Arthur Cox they won it with Waddle, Beardsley and Keegan. There wasn't a centre-forward mm. there. Uh, there wasn't anything like a centre-forward there. They, they just didn't change. But yes, they, 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 play, they won't play without a centre-forward next season because they'll have Haaland probably. Mm. But I mean, it's interesting. Is that, so you think, is that, just, is that something the top teams have to do? Think I don't think they have to do. I think the top teams are capable of doing it, which is very, very intriguing. And I think it's very difficult. I mean, you know, a lot of players, certainly Lascelles and probably Byrne, would much rather be face-to-face with a guy and look him in the eye and battle him and think, you're my man, I'm going to follow you everywhere today, I'm going to give you a little kick and you're not going to get a kick of the ball. Um, and when you've got forwards that interact, that change like Liverpool do, like City do, it's difficult. Who's my man? Where do you go? If my man goes out on the wing, do I go out on the wing do or do I pass him on? What are we, A lot of centre-halves who are orthodox central defenders who want to stand there, defend the barricades and do the job and you're my man and I'll meet you muscle for muscle. That is easier than clever forwards. Mm. Um, and they're meeting for the second time a team with clever, second successive time a team with clever forwards. Yes, they are. And they've got a host of brilliant players. Of course, it'll be interesting to see just how tired they are. Oh, I, I, and how many changes are made yes. as a consequence of that. But I mean, the likes of Ford. And I mean, Ford is such a good player. He is uh, tomorrow's world class superstar, as if he wasn't now. But, I mean, he's going to get even better. He is going to be quite something else mm. for England as well as for Manchester City. Phenomenal. And for him to come through the ranks at a club that can buy in any superstar in the world is quite incredible. Mm. And it's wonderful. And he is better than any of the forwards, or at least as good, that they've bought in at huge money. Quite exceptional. Gives the likes of maybe Elliot Anderson and co hope that that can be done Done at oh, Newcastle. absolutely, like Newcastle did with uh, Waddle and Beardsley uh, in Gaza at one time. Although they then decided to sell him, of course. But um, but we produced players of, of world class. You know, Gaza was world class. Beardsley was some some player, and you know we produced them, but didn't hang on to them. Mm. But they. But the difference is, of course, it's easy to hang on to Ford and who's a Man City supporter when you win the title four times out of five and you look as if you're going to win the Champions League. Every season you look as if this is going to be a season. And then it isn't, of course. 
Newcastle wise, they didn't really set up against Liverpool with a recognised forward either. You would argue no, they didn't. They left, they left the one orthodox mm. centre forward out for they the second week in a row. For a second week, yes. Do you think it'll be a third week in a row? Yeah, guess in Eddie's mind, don't you? But uh, uh, I suspect not. I suspect that uh, Chris Wood could well start. Oh, interesting. I, did you know? I think he might go for a very similar side as to reset against Liverpool. I, I just don't think. Apart from the fact it didn't work, mind it didn't it work did. when Wood come on. Yeah. Like, uh, any better? Sorry, then you know. it, it didn't work. But I, I just the, he was explaining after the game why why he made mm. the, that change, why he kept Wood on the bench, and was about just trying to stop. Liverpool. See, my my worry, Andrew, and it's a wonderful game, isn't it? Because it's all just about opinions. But my worry is, if you go with that front line without an orthodox centre forward, it's not so much that that bothers me. Because the bottom line is, it doesn't matter what we do, we need a proper centre forward next season. I mean, that's the truth of the matter. We're we're mixing and matching. We're we're putting a plastic over. A gaping hole, really. But my concern about playing with a, a fluid forward line like that is that it puts Joe Linton out on the wing, and I think we miss him at the hub of events when he plays midfield. Ah, yeah. When he's playing out, and it sounds very strange to say that, want. doesn't it? <laughs> well, no, because I think he was a centre forward that went outside left originally. But he's when he's gone to what I would consider his proper position for the future which is a midfield, using his strength, tucked in, not so wide as he was. It's interesting because he's better. Eddie Howe doesn't seem to... He's, Eddie Howe has said on several occasions he's not going to kind of pigeonhole he can play Joe Linton. He can play anywhere. And, you know, him and St. Maxim, when these against Liverpool and the, and the game prior to that, they were kind of switching, weren't they? Yeah. At one point it was St. Maxim and all the other point it was Joe Linton. And it is interesting because I think you do, in many ways... You dilute their threat. So we've mentioned that Joe Linton looks much more comfortable in the midfield role. St. Maximum does look much more comfortable starting out on one of the on one of the wings and then being allowed to kind of come inside if he pleases. But when you're if you're positioned in a centre forward role, you need to be there. And that's just not in St. Maximum's game. That's not his fault. That's just not the way no, he plays. It's not the way he plays. But no. if he's and and this is what we saw a lot under under Steve Bruce, and we saw We've seen it in time under Eddie Howe. When he has gone with that, there's a big gaping gap in the centre-forward role because St. Maximum's got the ball. He's drifted out to, to, to the left or the right. And the person he's aiming for in the box is, is his position and then there's no one to aim for. So the, the theory is, I guess, that you get Willick trying to fill the hole by breaking to finish late in the box. But, you know... <laughs> You go to City, um, we don't know what side they're going to put out, but they've got quality, mid- we've got quality everywhere, but they've got quality midfield with De Bruyne and Foden dropping in there and, and everybody. And have we enough strength, dominance, etc., etc., with Willick and Shelby along with Bruno to compete? One man, Bruno, can compete on his own against their midfield. Will Joe Linton not be well, helping yeah. there to stem the I tide, etc., etc.? Et I would move Joe Linton back. In, so in, in, in For this in. particular game, I would definitely do that. Which is why I'm saying that he might play Wood, because if you do that, what's your alternative? Yes, you can play You can play Murphy. Um, who, who would you play Dwight, then? Dwight, you wouldn't bring in Dwight Gale? 
It doesn't matter what I would do. <laughs> he won't bring in Dwight. The manager won't bring in Dwight Gale. There's absolutely so it's pointless C- talking about Callum it. Callum Wilson has hinted that he's in contention. He's on Instagram. He hinted it. Then he's been on his BBC podcast and, and he has actually said that I'm back. I've had a good week in training. Eddie Howe has... He's got more chance of... Uh, uh, he's got as much chance of starting as a pink pig that flies past the dressing room window and pops in and plays centre forward. On Sunday, I'm talking about there's absolutely no chance. Uh, I would think, even starting on Sunday, he would probably start on the bench. He would be better to be introduced either at a home game, the last home game of the season, which is Arsenal, or at Burnley, where it's at least, a, hopefully, a level playing field. Is it worth the risk at all? Eddie Howe has no. said, if he's fit, he's in contention. You know, he's gonna he's gonna be available to be picked if he's fit and raring to go. But you know, a lot of fans have said, well. You know, three games to go. Is it worth the risk? We know what his injury record is like, and when you can't. I agree. Fans. I agree, and I can follow that. Um, and th- th- there's a point to make. If you've got a slight niggle because you come back anyway, you've got the whole summer to get over it. It's not like you, you haven't got time. Um, but I mean, I talked privately with Super Mac about it, who knows a thing about being a centre forward and etc. etc. And uh, I, I. Supermac agreed with what I had said, which is if you're a player and you've had a long injury, i.e. you've been off for a while, and the season's coming to an end, you want to play before the season ends. Now, I'm not... Because you want to get out of your mind that there's anything permanently wrong with you. You want to... You don't want to come into August, the first game of the season and say you've been out for six months or seven months because you've got to take the summer into account and you've got everybody saying oh what'll it be like he hasn't played for seven months if he can play at the end of the season that now that's not to say that going on on, on a sub appearance for the last half hour at Burnley wouldn't be enough to achieve that because it would um, but if you can do that whether you're, whether you're Wilson or Trippier then I bet my bottom dollar, if if you talk to both of those guys off the record so that they, were, they could tell it the way they feel it, they would say, I want to get some minutes in before the season's over. Wilson and Trippier. Mm. And that is the mentality of the player. They don't want August, all those slots, speculating that you've been out for six months. How will you come back? Because they won't have been out for six months. Cause they, so it, it they don't have to start at Man City or really at it, it, uh, Arsenal or Burnley if they got the second half at Burnley that would be enough just to they make an need, appearance yeah they need to get on the grass come through it and mentally that takes away everything in their own mind for their own good not for the fans not because they're trying to you know what it's easier to do it Andrew under these circumstances and if we were going to Burnley and it was winner stays up and loser goes down then you're taking a chance with somebody like Wilson or Trippier. But to give them half an hour in a game where the result theoretically doesn't matter because you're safe is an ideal way of doing it. And I'm certain Eddie Howe, if he can, will give them some minutes for the reasons I've just talked about before the season wraps up. Of course, it would give a boost, you know, as well. It would get the fans up a level against whoever they do appear against. It would be interesting to see the team sheet uh, I, I assume the rest of the team, John, in your opinion, will remain the same. Dubravka, Kraft, 
Sherburn, yes, Target. Yes, I think it's just a matter of where Joe Linton plays and does Chris Wood come back or not. You mentioned there, Kieran Trippier, and, and, and watching the Champions League semi-final, watching Benzema doing what he does, watching Luka Modric do what he does at 36. Benzema's not too far behind him, is he, in, in age-wise? Watching Cristiano Ronaldo score 18 goals in the Premier mm. League and looking like he's, he's you know, 24-25. I think you know it gives hope to, to Newcastle United fans that Kieran Trippier can maybe stay around at the top level a little bit longer because it, I think of it, course. it shows if you keep fit and you keep healthy, you can be at the top of the, your game at those ages. There's no question. Um, and the other word, keep fit, be healthy, and the other word is be good. Yeah, all the players you mentioned there just happen to be world class. Ronaldo, Benzema, Modric, they're world-class and have been world-class all the way. It is easy then to use your head if you start living well, or have always lived well, i.e. you don't abuse your body Monday to Friday. If you live well, Ronaldo is a huge example of that. Uh, yes, you, you can continue and there's no reason. The only reason is injuries mm. and we've got to hope that Trippier doesn't become someone that picks up injuries in his 30s um, but there's, yes there's no reason to think Trippier we're not we haven't got that with Callum Wilson he's got a history of injuries that isn't going once you get consistent injuries it doesn't improve nobody can wave a magic wand you're not injured for the next three seasons no chance that is you from now on and you've got to be handled quietly. You've got to be dipped in and pulled out. There's no question of that. So Wilson doesn't come into that comparison, but certainly Trippier does. Uh, and yes, I wouldn't see Trippier as being anywhere near um, the end of his career or I think he will see himself as being part of a Newcastle side that goes on and wins their first trophy be it three seasons away or whatever. And I'm not necessarily talking about the Premier League, FA Cup, League Cup, Premier League, getting to Europe or whatever. He he is quite within a range to be part of that. Now, how many others will have the ability that's there now, will have the ability to be part of that, apart from him and Bruno, for example, uh, is another is a different matter. Mm. Certainly, an exciting time isn't the summer. Will be absolutely. exciting for Newcastle United absolutely. fans. And summer is absolutely huge because we have witnessed a miracle. And I'll emphasise what I said right at the beginning. For me, this is a bigger miracle than Liverpool or Manchester City. That is what they are. Who we want to be, and who one day perhaps we will be. But they've been a work in progress for a short while, for a long, you know, two or three seasons. And we have been a work in progress since January. So I think our improvement has been a, that much more staggering. It, it really has been phenomenal. And Klopp is going to dolly manager of the year, and, and so he should. But I tell you what, in my heart, Eddie Howe, has had a real He's pop got, at no, it. You know, Klopp's got to win all four trophies to get my Don't be the silly. End. Don't got be to, silly. Because otherwise, it's Eddie Howe's got it in the bag. Don't be so. Uh, he wins three trophies. Eddie Howe wins none, and Eddie Howe's manager of the year. I'm just talking against myself there because I was the one that put him forward as winning a good second, and but he is second. I mean, Klopp's for now. I mean, I hope Eddie Howe becomes Klopp because he'll 
still be manager of Newcastle United when he becomes club. So wouldn't that be wonderful? Yeah, That'll do for me. Certainly if he wins some of the trophies Klopp has at Liverpool. Yes. Uh, before I ask you to tell us how this one's going to finish, John, I thought we'd just briefly mention the fact that Gateshead have been promoted oh. as champions. I thought I'd just got a Thank word. you for mentioning that. It's absolutely wonderful. My second team, um, I mean, I owned them for 11 years. I'm still vice president. I am so chuffed it's untrue. And I would urge any Newcastle United fans, whether they're going down to Manchester or watching that match on the box, to pop along on Saturday afternoon to their last home game and support the Heed. They um, can't. They can't because it's all sold out and there's no tickets on the door. So Well, hopefully they've got their tickets already. Yes, fingers crossed. I'm sure maybe if they get out in the car park, they might, they might come in there and show it off to any fans. War flags are going to go down as well and... And do a bit of a flag display on Saturday, so it's That's it's good. wonderful to see. They've sold, they kind of sold out the whole ground. Uh, according to this, it's, it's going to eleven thousand five hundred. According to uh, their Twitter, there's going to be no tickets on the door on the day on the day, which means you can buy, buy them, them now today yeah. and tomorrow. Yes. Yeah, you're not going to sell out eleven thousand against it, but um, yes, you can buy them today and tomorrow, but you can't turn up on the day. No, uh, that's that's. Great. But getting back to them, go along and support them. Be as thrilled as I am. This is a team that plays in black and white on the banks of the time. They have won the league in a canter with spectacular football. They score a bundle of goals, which is wonderful. And you know why I want Newcastle fans to go along um, to get tickets in the next couple of days and go along on Saturday? Because I want them to see a Geordie team from the banks of the time beat Hereford United this time. Because <laughs> 70, 52, uh, 72, exactly 50 years ago, I had the agony of watching that game. And what we've got to remember, Andrew, is that it wasn't a one-off fluke. We played them over two matches. People forget that Hereford, and non-league side, got a draw at Newcastle. It was the replay when they won. So we had two pops at them, and arguably said to be the biggest giant killing in the history of, of football, that. And so Helford come up here. They can irritate by getting a win up here, but they can't change the course of history this time as they did in 72 because um, Gates had already home and dry. And another reason why I know that the Toon Army will uh, want to say well done, Gated, is because the player managers, Mike Williamson, who 100 and odd, 170, whatever it is, games for Newcastle United, five of his six seasons were in the, here, were in the Premier League, you know, only one in the Championship when he first arrived. A good, honest to goodness servant of Newcastle United, who's done a brilliant job at Gated. Well done to the board, by the way, because they got out of the top non-league, the elite non-league lead, only because of gross mismanagement by the previous owners of the club. The fans got together and took over the ownership and this is their reward. Mm. Geordie fans are good fans, you know. Definitely. So let the, let the tune and the heed get together and celebrate Gates. At, uh, I'm chuffed to hell. I can see, and and and, uh, and so you should be, and because the club was so close to going under oh, for good, and to, to be now on the way up is brilliant. You mentioned Mike Wilson there. You've got 
Owen Bailey, who was the under-23 Newcastle United captain there, Adam Campbell as well, banging in oh, the goals. I, I mean, half the team has started life at Newcastle. So um, it's uh, wonderful to see, isn't it? It's, it's absolutely terrific, absolutely deserved. I know only too well, having spent a decade over there as, as hands-on chairman, how difficult it is to survive and how difficult it is to survive literally in the shadow of St James's Park because when you sit in the director's box of Gateshead you can see the roof of St James's Park across the town and you know one of the great problems with that club is when Gateshead is a dormitory for Newcastle in terms of football everybody in Gateshead walks over the Tyne Bridge on a Saturday or Sunday and goes up to St James's Park and supports Newcastle quite rightly but that makes it difficult for Gateshead to pull in as many fans as they need they've never been amongst the top attendances in the conference or the National League as it is now for that very much for that reason but the fans are as loyal as you can get, as passionate as the Newcastle United fans are. And why can't you support both? I do. Uh, so can you imagine my elation in 2022 when my number one club just makes a mockery of any relegation and goes from bottom to ninth top and my number two club become champions of their league to go back in their big time? Hasn't been a bad year. It's been brilliant, hasn't it? So yes, you can buy tickets online. The ticket office will also be open from 4pm to 6pm or until Friday, May the 6th to accommodate supporters who are unable to order tickets online. But there will be no tickets sold on the gate on Saturday. It's a 3pm kickoff. Um, but I imagine by the time you get to Saturday morning, it very well may be sold out. So if you're going to go get down either um, to the box office this evening or tomorrow evening to get your tickets in person, or online at gateshead-fc.com and all the details are there. The other thing I want to mention just briefly as well, John, is the plaque unveiling for George and Ted Robledo at a house in Fenham yep. where they lived when they were at Newcastle. It was an absolute pleasure to speak to Elizabeth, who is George's only child. Um, a remarkable woman, speaks so well, so proud of her dad and her uncle. And so she see, should be. That Newcastle means means a lot to her, and it, it fell really nicely on the 70th anniversary of Newcastle winning the 52 mm. FA Cup, in which George scored the only goal the only against goal. Arsenal. This plaque unveiling was meant to have happened two, three years ago. COVID 19 got in the way. Elizabeth lives over in Chile, so she said she had, she's had her bags packed for the last three years, waiting to come on over. <laughs> and it's just a coincidence that it fell on that exact day that her dad scored that winning goal, and it was. It's a really nice plaque. It's um, it's not in a, a street that really stands out, but that's kind of the Wouldn't point. Be. Isn't that's it? why you were yeah. in digs in you're, those days. You're it was his house. Yeah. yeah, you're honouring the history. It was great to see Bob Moncur there, other members of Newcastle United there, and Chris Brook, who's organised it. You know, he's down. He lives in in South Yorkshire. Uh, easy for him to get a plaque up in Barnsley, which of course is is the other First club. Yeah, where the the Robledo's played, but then to take it up to Newcastle to have this idea of we're going to honour the other club that they played for. It's been a remarkable journey for him. The big club you played for. <laughs> well, Colo Colo fans, as any listening might argue, um, they're I was talking in this country, but um, <laughs> I, thinking about it, yes, yeah, still the biggest club. It was club amazing. This Colo Colo sent over their historian. I saw that, yes. And there was a Chilean uh, representative from the embassy, came up from London. So 
this means that you know it's it's easy for us to to, to praise what George and Ted did at Newcastle, but in Chile they are held up as you know especially George is held up as one of the the best well, ever sportsmen in, I, out of that country. I mean, in truth, in truth, George was the star. Yeah, and we wanted to sign George from Barnsley. George insisted he would only come if Ted come with him. So we signed them both. And as it turned out, they both played in a cup final together, which was absolutely wonderful. But uh, Ted was the very capable journeyman, and George was Just the how star. Just good, how good was he, George? Oh, wonderful. Not flamboyant. He was a finisher. He was, uh, he was in the back alley of knives, and he was the one that come out the winner. He, he just scored goals on peace. Jackie Milburn loved him. He was a great partner for Jackie Milburn, played at Milburn's shoulder, scored as many goals as Milburn over the, the short time. He was absolutely phenomenal, George. Um, I mean, he was my one of my many boyhood heroes when I was sitting watching Newcastle win the cup on the black and white telly, poster stamp telly, and there was George, just an instinctive goal scorer. He knew where to go, where the ball would drop, and if Milburn was on it and it was going to strike a post out the goalkeeper, it would be there to mop up, George would be there to mop up. That's what he did. He was brilliant. And um, obviously when he was doing everything he did, I was a kid sitting glorified. I've got his autograph at home up in the loft together with Milburn and all that 50s team and that's still one of my treasures because it was a successful Newcastle United side. Got to know him later in life when he come across a couple of times, George. Um, very sort of humble, as a, a lot of the players were in those days. You got the humble guys like Milburn and like George and then you got the flamboyant guys like Shaq who had his 100th birthday or just this last week, and different types, wonderful guys. And, of course, it was special for me because you see them through different eyes when you're a kid. Mm. You can be starry-eyed. Now we are a little bit more realistic, but deep down inside are still starry-eyed. Mm. And if you are a younger listener, go away, you know, read a few books, read a few stories about George Oblito and that, them, you know, the 50s side as well because it was a marvellous side. And just to give you a bit of taste of how good George was... His goal-scoring record, he scored the most goals for an overseas, overseas player, and that wasn't broken, if my memory serves me right, until Dwight York scored as many, uh, I think it was for Manchester United, so that was like a 50-year-old record. See, we, we were quite exceptional in the old days in Newcastle because these days uh, foreign players dominate the Premier League. The Premier League are full of the world's best players, whether they're South American, European, African, the great, great f players. We had some of the first. George and Ted, at that time, there wasn't really foreign players in the 50s in English football. I know it was exceptional because their mum was from Barnsley when their mum and dad split up in Chile. Mum come back home to mm. Barnsley and brought the kids with her and therefore they were brought up in Barnsley. George was about seven and uh, played for Barnsley and we signed them. But then when we won the, the, the um, 
European Fairs Cup in 69. We had a Dane in the side, Benny Amantov, which which was very unusual to have a foreigner in the side. In both occasions, it was interesting that we how we got the foreigners because we got the Robledos from Barnsley and we got Benny Amantov from Greenock Morton in Scotland. He'd come over to, to Morton uh, to play for them and we got him in through the back door through that but we were flag bearers standard bearers really for getting um, the first foreigners into this country and now it's it's commonplace and mm. thank goodness it is because we've got some great great players have come over here mm, castle a team of many first back in the day i'll pop in to the podcast notes the link to the story from the unveiling uh, and there's a video as well from elizabeth and i'll put a podcast together as well because i've got some nice audio and like i said i think everyone should just listen to how elizabeth talks about her dad and 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 newcastle i came away feeling feeling just dead happy having spoken to someone with so much passion about the club who lives i don't even know how far chile is away from newcastle oh. but it's a fair few thousand and for miles. elizabeth to come over forget about any yeah. financial to give the time and wish to come over and be so proud of her dad that shows, yeah. uh, that tells you a multitude of things. They played in the World Cup for Chile, etc. They, they, uh, I mean, Ted had a tragic end. Um, George lived longer, but sadly both gone. But uh, you talk to any Newcastle fan of a certain age and ask him about George Robledo, and you, you'll have to give yourself at least an hour of listening. Um, how does this one finish on Sunday then Newcastle's visit to Manchester City there we go we've been going up and down like a yo-yo haven't we on uh, what can happen Uh, I'm going to go tell Newcastle win I mean Newcastle win right yeah same as you did against Liverpool Um, and fair enough you've got every right and you've got a third chance of being right this time (laughs) it's the one result I'm not going to take my um my head tells me City will still win because they will get together over no, the next three days City. and say this is the last title we can win. This is the last thing we can get this season. For players of our ability to end up with nothing is a disgrace. We're not going to allow it to happen. So my head tells me, again, if City did win, it would be like Liverpool won. It will be close and Newcastle hold their heads up high. My heart tells me that Newcastle are going to get a draw and I'm going to stick with that. There we have it. So one win, one draw. Hopefully I'm right. And uh, absolutely Hopefully you crumble. are. But then, I mean, if the tape, we, we would definitely take a draw as well. You know what I mean? So Oh, um, a draw would be a fabulous result. If yeah, that, there's no question. I do think it's going to be a totally different game after what happened last night. And I am looking forward to it. We'll bring you live coverage through our live blog on Sunday. Uh, chroniclelive.co.uk will also bring you Eddie House press conference on Friday morning please remember to like and follow the podcast through your podcast provider totally free to do just means with every new episode we upload you will get a notification saying it's ready to download or listen to and please leave us a rating and review that just means the episodes get out to a much wider audience and we always love to hear your feedback so please do that if you have a moment just takes 30 seconds or so thank you very much for tuning in and once again do head over to chroniclelive.co.uk 